Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose and experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. You know, each week we want to be able to share with you insights, stories, examples of how people have overcome difficulties in their life or challenges or principles to be able to realize your potential and live your purpose. Uh, Today is no exception. I say that every time, but that's just the kind of guests that we have. And I am fortunate to have one of my friends, Laurelyn Thompson, on the show with us today. And Laurelyn, welcome to the show. Ken, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. I know I've interviewed you a couple of times, so it's a privilege for me to um, be able to share my life back with you now. So, very nice. Well, we are very, very happy to have you. And, you know, we have uh, spent different times together. You've attended some of our training to learn about some of the things that we do. And we'll get into some of your details there. You're author of a book of Relentless Redemption. And we'll get into some of the the principles and your story in there as well. But one of the things that I always do to start the show out for those people that are listening is just a little bit of Laura Lynn's story. I mean, how did you are a national TV host right now? Uh, That is how many years now have you been co-host of 700 Club Canada? That has been five years, yeah, in Canada, and I've been. Uh, working in television since um, two, 2000, well, 1999, really, when I first began as a volunteer. And, so, uh, so, so really significant presence, mm-hmm. yeah, doing significant presence, Laura Lynn, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. there, and then as well as doing a lot of work as far as uh, seminars, a, a lot of workshops, uh, being able to serve uh, different groups out there. You have a, a real specialty with women's groups as well, but we'll let you, we'll get into that story in a bit. But what is, what's yeah. your journey, Laura Lynn? I mean, uh, how did you get here? Where, where do you come from kind of thing? So just give us a snippet of sort of your background and your journey from, you know, the beginning, not from birth, but... <laughs> You know, right. through in the center there. What, what's your story, That's though? Too far back, Ken. Yeah. You know, um, I think that my journey has been about identity. And I didn't realize how much it would be about that topic until I lost my identity. I lost my way when I was a young woman. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I always had a lot of energy and a lot of creativity and pretty headstrong as a young person. I was terrible in school. I could barely get through it. I couldn't focus. Probably today they would label me, you know, as something like ADHD or something like that. Uh, my teacher said now, I, I still know my teacher. His name's Mr. Shennis, and he said if he would have, you know, taught me today knowing everything that he knows, he would have, you know, done a few things differently to help my creativity. But instead, <laughs> you know, everyone didn't mm-hmm. know how to deal with me. And so I was a bit of a handful. I was a handful for my parents. And I, I was always a going concern, you know, and I had ideas and a lot of questions. 
And some of those questions um, and ideas led me to some disastrous places. I think that uh, one of the first tragedies in my life was getting married at the age of 21 to a man that I was not truly in love with. I was attracted uh, to the idea of marriage much more than I was attracted to this man. And as I was walking... Now, Laurelyn, one of the things that I have sort of an interrupted nature, and here's why, is that guests have these gems that the listeners just love to hear about. So what do you think was driving, beyond this, you know, this identity with marriage, but where was the pressure coming for you to get involved in a relationship or a marriage where you didn't love the person? And I guess the the idea is sort of... um, uh, surprises probably some of the listeners. So what do you think were some of the driving forces behind that? Well, I was just talking to some girlfriends recently about that, like what makes us do the things we do? First of all, I was re- raised in a in a Christian home, and so they had some values. Um, you know, they didn't want me to be running off and living with someone. And so I, I very quickly thought, okay, I, you know, I want to I start my life uh, by... Um, you know, getting married to a wonderful man and they're, you know, by engaging in, you know, having a life outside of the um, the home, the family home. Now, all of these things were good, and I actually came back to very strong standards later in my life, but for very different reasons. Um, I think what that did, Ken, was just made me, um, I wanted more than I was ready for. I always did. I'm a huge risk taker. My life is about taking risks and having being somewhat fearless in a lot of ways, which has gotten me into mm. tremendous trouble at times when I wasn't truly listening to that gut instinct inside that was saying, yeah, you might feel fearless, but really you should be afraid. And so something in my heart just compelled me. You know, um, I had already had a hurt uh, from a teenage romance that I'd been in. A, a young fellow had uh, cheated on me, and so that had been very painful. So when I got into this relationship with a very faithful nice, kind of normal, boring man, perhaps I wasn't quite ready. Which you are not. (laughs) <laughs> I am not boring, no. And and I I led the way. He he and he wanted to please me. He, you know, he saw saw me as kind of a, a wildflower, and and he'd laugh at everything I did and anything that I wanted to do. He would be very you know complicit in it. So he was kind to me. But as I walked down that aisle with my hand through my dad's arm at our wedding. I remember being so excited to have the most expensive dress that I'd ever had. It was $850. And back in that day, I won't tell you how old I am yet, but um, it, it, it was, that was a lot of money. And I, I looked across and I was so excited to finally be at the wedding. You know, it was my day. But when I looked and my eyes met the gaze of the man that was up at the front waiting for me, I remember a profound thought, and the thought was, who is that? And so as I am heading down towards this altar to make a commitment and a vow that is supposed to last a lifetime, and with all of my values and my training and my Christian and and family, you know, heritage, I was absolutely unprepared for what I was about to do. So as um, as one year turned into the next, Ken, we... So obviously, even though you had this 
gut-wrenching sort of yellow or red flag, you just continued walking down the aisle. I did. I just continued. Well, you know, if they the had pressure of the moment. Runaway Bride, right. If Runaway Bride had been out, I would have gained strength from Julia Roberts. She was able to just turn around and run away from every groom that she was about to marry. And I would not have a story today, perhaps, but um, I didn't have that. I didn't have that inspiration. I didn't have that strength. And I did not have the courage to do something I should have done that day. When I look back, mm. I, I, I just, I wish... You know, I was 21, and I was very immature for 21. I'm immature for a 51-year-old. So it, it is not easy to be um, uh, that silly and making that kind of large, you know, investment in life. So after about four years, a lot of counseling, um, a lot of drama, going to many different people, trying to, you know, make our relationship work, it was a very, it was, there was just no chemistry, you know, Ken. And that is one of the things that would be nice if it was there in a marriage that you would marry someone where there was a strong, you know, feeling of love and uh, sexual attraction and, and, you know, emotional attraction, and it just wasn't there. And I, uh, I took uh, on some uh, situations and made some decisions that brought about the end of that marriage, and I had an affair with another man. When I had an affair wow. with another man, that catapulted me into being um, completely broken inside because you see I was now going against everything that I valued everything that I was ever taught everything that I thought was important I was going against my own character I was destroying myself from the inside because now I had made a choice to do something devastating to myself to other people to my parents to my family to everyone who attended my wedding to everyone who believed that there was you know uh, something special about me I suddenly was an ostracized person and I I think people were still kind to me, but um, there's something about shame when we make mistakes, when we do something that is debilitating to our lives and is a character flaw, Ken. We all deal with this. Mm -hmm. Like when integrity is broken, not only in others' eyes, because sometimes people can misjudge us and what they think is your lack of integrity, they they got the story wrong. I didn't have the story wrong. Mm -hmm. I messed up. I was completely a disaster. And so what ended up happening um, was that uh, a real depression came over my life. I went off with this other man. Now, now suddenly with him, I have all of these great feelings, you know, because an illicit relationship uh, bears with it all of the kind of sensual, secret fun that is not there in a boring... The, the, uh, the high of the risk-taking moment. Yeah. If I was to ask you... What what do you think was, I think you've sort of already said it, but I just want to clarify. What do you think was the number one driver of your uh, making this choice? Was it just uh, the avoidance of your current situation? I mean, we all say that this happens, but what do you think in the end was the main reason or reasons that you, you went down this path? In hindsight. You know, I think that there's a side in each of us. We, uh, some people in movies or, or TV shows will portray it as that dark side. I think there is the ability within each of us, Ken, to follow a dark path. And if we get caught in that dark path, it's like a, it's like a destructive 
trap. And because I believe in purpose, because I believe in destiny, because I believe I was made to, to rule the world as only I can do, because you're made to rule the world in the way that you were fashioned to do it. I'm made to be great uh, and do great things, and so is every one of your listeners. They have a calling, but there seems to be a side of us that if we, if we give into it, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's our darker side. And when we give into that which is not good for us, whether you know, uh, I, I'm dealing with a, a good friend who's got a cocaine addiction right now. That cocaine addiction is absolutely decimating his life. I do not know the answer. I don't know how to, you know, help him get out of it. I, I've got, you know, good books. I've, I've been working with people in addiction for a while, and you, you say your best words. But until that person hits a bottom and they decide, I am not mm-hmm. going to screw up my purpose by being someone who does not have the character to fulfill what they were born to do, until every person makes that decision, and I needed to get there, I reached a bottom. I bottomed out. I ended up with this fellow. Uh, you know, I married him. Um, instead of the, the, you know, the boredom and lack of sexual attraction, I had police incidences now. I had a new husband with new problems. Nothing got better. And even though the, you know, the chemistry between us was different as it is with every person that we might meet, you know, there's a chemistry reaction. Um, I found out that trading one marriage for another simply brought on different problems, different pluses, different minuses, and along with this second marriage was the devastation in my heart that I was such a fallible person. I had kind of prided myself, Ken, uh, up until this point in, in that I made good decisions. Like even though I was a bit of a handful, mm-hmm. I was funny. I was the life of the party. People liked me. I was going somewhere. I had some abilities. I had already started speaking somewhat in my youth, you know, being invited to, uh, you know, meetings and, and, and sharing my heart, my soul. And I had a way of communicating that people loved. And, and, and they would speak that into my life and say, wow, I've never heard anyone share like you. And so when this devastation came over me, I lost my my circle of friends. Like nobody knew what to do with a girl who just abandoned the marriage and, and abandoned the, you know, it makes everyone feel awkward around you. Nobody knows how, even though they want to forgive you and we all know that we're human. I, I was trapped in an abyss of uh, my, own, my own mess. And so a three-year depression took hold of my soul. In the meantime, I'm having police incidences, uh, safety issues going on, um, where once there had been, you know, silent boringness in the first marriage, there was now loud unhappiness, you know, a lot of fighting and Mm -hmm. control and trying to navigate um, an abusive situation. And so, Ken, all of that um, served to give me a period of time where I lost my way. I didn't think I would ever be able to do anything. I became extremely convinced that my failure had brought about the destruction of everything I was born to do, and it was devastating. So, I mean, that's one of the words that you use is, you know, you reuse redemption. I mean, that's kind of a a spiritual term, but really uh, we get a, uh, for some people listening, I get a second chance. And you used a word just a, a minute or two ago, and it said, until a person decides. And so you're in this, you're in this kind of pit. What was it? What, what, what occurred to get you out of that? 
Right. How can we can encourage the listeners? There's probably people right now, I mean, maybe not in a pit, maybe not uh, in full depression, but maybe we just have some lack of zeal for life. We are not connected to our purpose. We, I agree with you. You know that. <laughs> I mean, that's our work here too, is that everybody uh, has a calling, has an assignment, has a purpose. They need to figure out what that is. So what, you know, when you hit bottom and you were there for that, what was it that occurred to get you out? I think it was a, a profound experience one night where I really, uh, I, I was so low um, and I had been holding it all in. And um, your viewers might know and uh, your, your listeners might know, Ken, that once in a while um, life hits us and everything aligns so that all we're left with is to look at the utter and sheer devastation of our souls because we've made a mistake. Uh, sometimes we're in prison at the end of our mistakes. Sometimes uh, we've lost. Sometimes we're bankrupt. We've ended up finding ourselves uh, maybe stealing from someone. <clears throat> our reputation gets ruined. We leave a marriage. We have an affair. We get into a secret addiction. It can even be as simple as a pornography addiction that is destroying your marriage and your wife doesn't know. But you see, you know, and you know that the depravity of your heart and that dark side of you has taken hold. And when the dark side of any of us begins to rule, uh, you know, our days, we become destroyed. And our better self, our purpose, it, it begins to drown in a sea of shame. And that is where I found myself. I found myself completely um, lost and broken. And so one night, um, I couldn't hold it anymore. I was, uh, I was with some friends, and I had a really intense experience where I just couldn't hold back the tears. I couldn't hold back the shame. And I came unglued, and I just started sobbing. And it's the kind of sob that it's from the gut, and you can't even stop it. And what was coming out was, I've lost everything. I think I was born for something, but because I'm now on a second marriage that definitely is is not looking good, like it's not going to survive, you know, there's just a couple more police incidences left here, and I can't do this anymore. And... And all of that, you know, began to come over me. And I realized that I couldn't blame anyone, Ken. My parents were still together. They were, they're a wonderful couple. To this day, my parents are in their 80s. They are life-giving, beautiful, wonderful people. I couldn't say, you know what, my dad was an alcoholic, so I turned out to be an idiot. I made all these, you know, terrible choices. I only had me to blame. I had married a man that I shouldn't have married. I, I, I had, you know, even flown in the face of good um, instruction where people said, you know, I don't know if you're ready for marriage at 21. Oh, yes, I am. I can do this. I'll be fine. You know, move on out. Speak to the hands. And now I'm in a second marriage, and it is not going well. And I have exchanged, uh, you know, I've exchanged everything that I didn't like for something that I even hated even more. And so all of that brokenness came coming out. And I remember feeling, um, some people would call it God. I definitely call it like the power of God in my life. Some people might say it's that inner voice or a gut feeling that they have where something mm -hmm. speaks to you from a dark place. And that voice said to me that I was valuable, 
I was worthy, I was born for a purpose, and if that was true, then nothing except my unbelief would change that. And this voice literally asked me, will you believe that what you were born and purposed to do can come about if you can literally latch onto it and believe that that is greater? What the power that is created you to be is greater than your foolish mistake. And I realized in that moment that I had put my mistakes and my stupidity and perhaps my approval addiction my desire, my lust, I had put that, that darkness, that dark side of me in a very high place. You know, we all have a throne room in our heart. We have, we have a throne room where we put what's most important to us. For some of us, it's wealth. For some of us, it's, um, you know, uh, what drives us. It's our addictions. For some of us, it's to help others. Mother Teresa, on the throne of her heart, was to serve her God, to help poor people. That was her throne. What I had now put on my the throne of my heart was my shame and my brokenness, mm-hmm. and that ruled me. And in that night, in 1999, uh, no, this was 1996 when this happened, um, when it all came apart and I became a mess, I realized that I didn't have to put that shame on the, the throne of my heart. I needed to get back in touch with why I was here on this earth, what my purpose was. If Laura Lynn was created for greatness, it still exists despite my humanity. My humanity cannot be the, what rules me. I had to. And I love, Ken, that you talk about purpose. I was so affected and moved by your incredible uh, seminars that I attended that weekend and, and how um, you teach people to find mm-hmm. that special person that they are inside and how we are so uniquely created and we have patterns in our life and that we are made for something. And I think for me, I decided that what I was made for and who made me was greater than my stupidity and my failure. When I decided that... Now, I just wanted to stop you for a second, Lorlin, because I really want the listeners... And, you know, I have no idea who's listening at this moment, um, could, because it's online, could be anytime, anywhere. Uh, but I just really have a sense that there are a few people who are listening who are doubting their value, Laura Lynn. And I just want to affirm that everybody who's listening matters. Everybody that's listening does have a purpose. And if you think that you don't, then that's simply a lie. And so I just really want to reach out to you that Laura Lynn is... <laughs> sharing her heart, and thank you for doing this, a story to say, you know what, that, that it doesn't matter where you've been. It only matters where you're going. Right. And so from that, and so Laura Lynn, thank you for sharing that, that, that you were there. So from there, so now we're moving to this transformation for you, is you had this, I mean, just about every 12-step program talks about letting go as the right. first step. So well, you gotta let, to go. let go and like let her yeah. go. Uh, so from there, now now what happened is you started to progress to, you know, the the very successful person that you are today. Well, uh, you just said something. You said it's a lie. So anyone who's listening who feels that they failed so greatly they can never recover what they've lost, you see, life is about redemption. Every moment 
is a test of if you will believe that there is redemption for your humanity. And um, sometimes people have a quest for perfection. And maybe I did too. You see, I was kind of a perfect girl. I mean, Ken, I failed to mention earlier that I had never had sex before I got married that first time. I've never even been drunk in my life. I haven't smoked or toked, you know, no BC bud has hit my lips. But I, I thought that maybe if I was just a good enough person, and my story, uh, the unique part of my story and rising to a place of having two national television shows, writing a book, speaking um, uh, internationally now, um, my story comes from that place of having to reach that bottom and, and realizing that um, I didn't have to be perfect and I... I had to accept my humanity in order to move on. Like when you know, okay, so I've made a mistake. I've messed up, but I was born for something and that is that will not be taken from us. If we were born for a purpose, if if whatever power out there creates us to be incredible and to have a destiny, then Humanity can't take that from us. Otherwise, who would anyone be? Because we all have our mistakes. We've all, you know, done really foolish things to take that. So moving forward, I got up that that day. I just, when I came unglued and I felt this voice inside of me saying, will you place your purpose and your destiny and your, and that you literally will forgive yourself for your humanity and take the shame off the throne of your heart and put your destiny your purpose, your calling on the throne and, and serving, you know, that for your life. Will you do that? Then that changed my whole perspective. And it was such a profound change that the next day I got up and I started thinking about all of the lies, the lies I've been telling myself that I fail too greatly, that I can't recover, that no one will ever be able to accept me or see me as successful because of what I've done, that I won't really be able to get true forgiveness from others. And if they don't forgive me, is that going to be on the throne of my heart or am I going to maintain my position that my purpose is going to drive me for the rest of my life? And once I began to put things in perspective. I spent the next several months writing out thoughts, writing out words, writing out, um, uh, you know, inspirational uh, things that spoke to my heart about who I really was. I started remembering who I was. Mm. And the interesting thing is, is that nothing changed in my circumstance as far as getting better. My second marriage truly did come to an end by 2000. And uh, there was a terrible police incident that ended my second marriage. And you know what? I never shed one tear by the end of that. I'll tell you, I knew that my humanity and my foolishness had got me into it. But it was it was really my um, the forgiveness of myself and making good decisions that got me out of it. And the what really got me out of it was realizing that I had done everything I could do. I had consulted clergy. I had consulted counselors. I had um, tried my best. I, you know, I tried to make peace. I, I tried everything I could to make it work with this man, but there was just an element of, of safety, personal safety, that was never, um, he, he didn't grasp. And so at the end of it, when this police incident, had, uh, incident ended everything, can um, I, I I felt bad because it's another failure, but I knew 
that it wasn't it it wasn't because of me and the first one had been because of me and you know sometimes i think that's even harder isn't it ken like when we mm-hmm. when we have caused uh something really terrible to happen that is the that is a kind of you know insidious cancerous regret that eats at our soul and so i had to overcome that i had to get to my bottom and go well i'm a human being i forgive myself and i'm going to go on and uh it was you know from there that i really had a profound call one night that changed my life to lead me to television and so doing that that transfer and thank you all that uh, for all of that Laura Lynn. and <laughs> boy you talk about being um revealing and authentic and transparent uh thank you for all of that so Laura Lynn, you know if we were to flip the page here a bit and say to our listeners you know what are the habits what are the strategies what are the mindsets if you may that really we need to embrace to be successful that you are finding is being helpful to you. I mean, beyond this this part of putting purpose in the center of your life, what are some of those things now that you are embracing that's helping you to kind of go forward with I had you to, know, and yeah. just move into this new this new chapter in your life where um, you know you are um, having accolades and success in helping others to overcome their challenges in life well you know that's such a good question ken and when i look back and i think what i embraced was i really got back in touch with my instinct there is a drive in every person that there is something inside that gives you that thing that you know what you can do this i mean uh sometimes people literally they they speak it into your life they'll go you'll have clues along the way to your journey to destiny because someone will say you're really good at that hey i liked when you did such and such that was really good and i mean that could be like just accounting you know that could be that you're good with numbers you get to you know have a sense that you have a a, a brilliant mind in some way and each of us is really really good at something and um i i uh I started getting in touch with that thing inside of me that said, you can do this. And um, in 1999, I was sitting on my floor. Um, uh, it was the tail end of this second disastrous marriage. And I was watching a television show. And I had never done television. I had no education in it. I had no experience in TV. I'm watching TV. But there was a voice inside of me that says, you could do that. You could do that. You could be on TV. You're funny like them. You could talk like them. You you can communicate like them. And that voice had been stifled, Ken, in all of my brokenness until I really had this new acceptance of my humanity, mm-hmm. that I'm not perfect, but maybe that's okay, that I'm going to put you know my purpose on the throne of my heart and not my shame. So I'd come through all of that. And when I heard that, I just started going, can I? Could I really do that? And it was, um, I really feel like, uh, you know, there's a, a story about Moses. I think we've all seen the Ten Commandments. And Moses gets mm-hmm. to the burning bush. And if you actually read that story in the old Hebrew, what happens is uh, he argues with God. He tells God all the reasons that he cannot do what he's called to do. Moses had a profound calling in history to bring the children of Israel from captivity. And so... He told God. Yeah, he said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not qualified. I can't do it. 
I'm not qualified. And at the end, Ken, if you read it, and I, you know, I'm sure you probably know this story, but it says, please find someone else. Please get someone else. And, and he argued with God so intensely that it angered him, it says. And I know there are times that we resist the call. We have an instinct inside of us. Every person listening to my voice, you know that there is something you know you could do. Some people never do it. I just talked to a woman. Uh, she became a school teacher because her mom um, really thought that that was a good idea. And instead, she had really wanted to be in the arts. She had wanted to be an actress. She never had the courage to pursue it to this day. So now she's, you know, um, late 30s, right? And pretty late to make a change. She's fully in school. She's, you know, she's a school teacher because her mom said, no, 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 honey, don't do that. There's no life in that. But you see, every movie star that we know of didn't listen to someone who said, be a school teacher. They knew there was something inside of them that was propelling them. It's an instinct. It's like, I was born to do this. And I knew a couple of things that when I would allow the instinct to propel me and to give me passion to do something, I was really good at that. Like I could kind of just like let it go and be free and I could own that moment. Mm -hmm. And I started wanting to get back to that moment. And along the way, nobody believed in me. You know what, Ken? I, I, I never... I don't listen to people who tell me that I can't do anything because pretty much everything I'm doing today, everyone's told me I could never do that. And even my mom, my, my beautiful, wonderful mom, I love her. She's, she's 84 years old. I think she's 85 now. And um, when I first told her, you know, Mom, I really think that I've, I've got this calling. I'm going to go into television. She told me not to give up my typing skills, quite literally. And And... Uh, Gotta love that. Now, Lorlin, I want to stop yeah. you right there because you have a great lesson to teach us. Is, you know, um, you said, I don't listen to those individuals. What would you say to the listeners about the fact that they do not have people around them that believe in them, in their dream, in their goal? What, what advice would you give me? You have got to listen to that inside place and never let fear fear of people, fear of uh, not uh, being successful. I didn't know if I'd be successful in television or not, but I knew there was something inside of me that said, you can do it, you've got to try. And if I would have listened to my mom, if I would have listened to my cousins who later at my, you know, at my 50th party a year ago, we had a big, you know, party and, and, you know, people came and had fun with me and they got up and made speeches. And one of the things that my cousins said in, in laughter now, they were my same age. They looked after my kids for free while I went and volunteered at the, at down at the cable station for two years because I just knew that I knew that I knew that there was some kind of destiny in this. And they said at the 50th that what they said behind my back, and I kind of knew that they were looking at me funny, but I didn't know that they called me delusional. Your purpose and your destiny in your life is so profound that even others around you might say you're delusional when you go after it. And I know for a fact that we cannot listen to that, that we have got to pursue with a tenacity, with strength, with courage, the purpose that we were born to live. And we cannot let others define that. Um, 
I'm sad for that woman who's a school teacher that should have been a movie star, you know? Mm. And we don't know what her path would have been, but you know what? She's almost 40. She's not happy. She's never done it. And in truth, Ken, when I got this, uh, this call uh, to go into television, I was 33 years old. And that might seem to some that I was a bit, you know, old to begin trying something new and in a bad situation, you know, a second marriage that was going down. But I just, I was faithful to that instinct inside and it propelled me to what I was born to do. I just think we all have something great. We all have something that is going to add uh, to society, to our, you know, to humanity in general, to the influence that we have, and, and we must pursue it with courage. Well, it's interesting, Laura Lynn, and, I, and thank you for that. As, you know, one of the things we started this whole show about was you going down the aisle and having this gut feeling of, man, what am I doing? What, what am I doing? That is a metaphor for our life is, you know, what am I doing in this class taking teaching instructions to be a teacher when I really don't even like it? So, uh, the, you know, the flip side is not only do I need to listen to my gut as far as what inspires me, I need to listen to my gut about what it really is not aligned for me. And there is yeah. so much, as you said, courage and pressure. So you're talking about tenacity. You're talking about resilience against, it's funny, you know, against what people are saying to you. It's funny because our society, you know, developed world says, you know, go seek your dream. Unless it doesn't conform to my idea about what your dream should be. And right. then, you know, you should yeah. comply. No. Uh, I, I had the same thing happen, Laura Lynn, when I left the farm. And my dad said, what are you doing? Leaving, in, leaving that and, and coming and doing this, uh, professional development, and here we are you know, nearly 30 years later. So you know, you know so what I'm most about. of us have a story in that way. Yes, Pardon we me? do. And, and not only that, Ken, what about the bumps in the road that I'm sure you've been through? Like, it wasn't easy to get to where you are doing what you're doing. And by the way, your life profoundly affects others. I saw it personally, and I experienced it personally, and I saw how others experienced it at the conference uh, you did, you know, uh, giving us all of that training and teaching us to to love ourselves, to hear ourselves, to find purpose uh, in in our lives and and imagine if you if you'd not followed that like where would we be without Ken I mean I'd be silly I'd be talking to nobody well, there we go uh, well thank you for that and it's interesting Laurelyn even now as you say that and I am sharing this story not to be self-centered but really for for us together to serve the listeners is even now as you say that the little voice in me from you know 40 years ago said really are you sure Laura Lynn just said that? Are you really sure? So there's this constant, I don't want to say a battle, but it probably is, of yeah. us to be able to claim our space. This is not something that happens by accident, right? You need to claim it. You need to stand on it pretty well every day. And, um, because there's always somebody around who wants to discount uh, and I remember once where somebody says, well, you need to listen to your customers. You need to listen to others about what you should or shouldn't do. And I said, well, hang on. If all of us listen to everybody else, then I'd be living everybody else's life instead of my own. 
not from a self-centered point of view, but from a self-honoring point of view. And, and the same thing is true for you, Laura Lynn, and, and, you know, there's inside stories that I know about you that we won't go into. <laughs> you can pay me later for keeping yes. keeping the secret. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I'm joking with you. <laughs> is that um, if it yeah. – uh, I was just actually interviewing uh, Peter Lagan. Peter was, was talking to John Maxwell, and John Maxwell says, you know what, life is an uphill battle. It, it just expect it. That's what it is. And so to think that because you are living your call is not without effort, not without challenges, is uh, a misguided concept. So, I mean, you have been persistent. You have worked hard. Um, You went to the station for two years when everybody else said you shouldn't be doing it. Yes. And and not only that, you know, Ken, um, uh, so I I get into television, I land this huge break, and I get hired at the local uh, uh, station here, Channel 10, and uh, in British Columbia area, and I get hired, and then I'm there for five glorious years, and everything I touch turns to gold there. I'm telling you, I'm on in the morning, at in the afternoon, and at night. Uh, I do live shows. Um, some of my friends began calling it the Laurel Lynn Station. Every time I put it on, you're there. There's Laurel Lynn. She's on Channel 10. It's her station. And But then what happened, Ken, is they sold the station, and a new manager came, and I got fired. And this guy, this might surprise you, Ken, but not everybody likes me. And not everyone likes you. <laughs> and not everyone really? likes anybody oh, to me. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I-, I could tell. I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of one. I'm sure that we all have, you know, that um, that doesn't get you. They just, they mm-hmm. they look hollow. There's no smile in their eyes. Um there is something you just you feel kind of like there's a cold air around them as if it's a winter season and that's the feeling that i got in front of this guy and i would try to save it you know i'd have a feeling he didn't like me and I, he became my boss our senior producer and so i don't know why they fire you on a, on a friday ken like as if that makes you feel better you know that you have the weekend to get it over with i'm always thinking that if you're going to fire someone do it on a monday because they already hate the day so it's a Friday. I go into work, and the pr- the producer asked me if I would come to the boardroom. Well, that was highly unusual, and I knew. I knew, like, this is the end of my time here. So after five glorious years of everything I do turns to absolute gold, like, uh, you know, it, it was just so much success, I could just feel the tumble. And that guy walks me out of the building that day. I have lost my, you know, my, my vehicle, my expense account, my celebrity interviews that I I'd been doing I had no more TV show I'm I'm marched out of the building and for the next two years I had no TV no open doors nothing came to light of, of anything I could do in television and those I mean that was a hit and then I, I learned something really beautiful that I would survive if I lost my dream I would survive mm. if I went through a setback that I would survive if for a period of time it appears that what you have put your hope and your success and maybe, um, I, I mean, I had to learn the lesson that I am not my job. I am not mm. my TV, my two TV shows. 
I am not that person. I am Laura Lynn. I am destined and purposed to, to be amazing on this earth in whatever capacity that it is intended, you know, by my creator mm. or by, you know, whatever we decide to call that. We are intended for something great. Now, if someone comes along and doesn't believe in you, they are not the ones who determine where you're going to end up. And this guy adios me out of there. I found out later um, that it was for it was for my benefit. I found out that I was not my TV show. I was still Laura Lynn, profoundly a good communicator, uh, a wonderful person, someone who survived adversity, someone who had survived her own failure, someone who had survived others not believing in her and had kept going. That's who I was, and mm. I still was even when I had no job. So it all came back. You know, today I'm, I've got two national shows. I ended up meeting significant um, contacts in my life. I really believe life will lead you. It will lead you to the people that help you to form that maze of, um, of strength, you know, that, that propels you to what you're supposed to do. So my new favorite word uh, this year is unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. Mm. I don't care if I lose my two TV jobs. I don't care if, you know, if no one ever buys my book again and people continue to, to buy my book. But if, if nobody did and nobody believed in me, guess what? I've already learned all that stuff doesn't really matter. If I will just not give up, if I would just be unstoppable, I will end up doing amazing things on this planet. And every one of us was born to do that. Well... How else would we end the show, Laura Lynn, on then rather than that note? Um, to say that, note. you know, it really doesn't matter is if you keep going, you're never done. And you're that another very, very important point you made is my identity is not in what I do. It's in who I am. Yeah. So, you know, those of you that are listening, you know, even though the world might say that the job title is your status. It's not. It's the person that you bring. It's that individual. It's you. And so, Laura Lynn, thank you very much for sharing uh, your time with us today. It's been an honor. And for anyone who's listening out there right now who's, you know, sat through this entire sordid story, the highs and the lows, if they're going through anything, just know that you don't listen to anybody else and you don't even listen to the voices within you that say that your failure has caused your demise and that it is uh, irrevocable. Absolutely not. Life is a redeeming um, entity. It redeems what we have lost if we will believe and we will not give up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Laura Lynn. Now, Laura Lynn, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, and, you know, I can speak to Laura Lynn's credibility as a, as, um, a presenter and just, you know, serving others, but where, what's, what's your website so that people can look you up and find out more about you? Right, it's lauralynn.tv, so Laura, L-A-U-R-A-L-Y-N-N dot TV. They can find me there. They can Google me. They can see lots of my speaking on um, YouTube and can certainly go to the website of the 700 Club Canada and uh, lots of ways to contact me. I answer all my emails. I just got an email from someone, you know, um, today that I've never met and she's going to give me a call and I've welcomed her to do so. Um, so I try to connect with, uh, you know, 
with with everybody and sometimes it's uh, you know just a quick email but um i'm blessed i think that we need each other i think life is profound it's beautiful and there's very broken moments i have been through those times where my soul ached with pain and i've lived to see that if i remain unstoppable and if i don't give up i'm going to rise from those ashes it's going to be okay no worries and thank you laura lynn you know, everybody, um, it's always a pleasure to serve. Uh, the purpose of Secrets of Success podcast is really to encourage, to help, um, to really have you realize your potential. And so, as I ask at the end of every show, I mean, if you like what we're doing, please share it, pass it on, let other people know. If you have a couple of moments, put some uh, comments in iTunes or SoundCloud or others so that more people can learn about the difference we're trying to make here at this podcast. You know, again, I just thank you for listening to Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keith. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com, scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.